Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Good to see all of you. You enjoying the sun? Anybody get some sun yesterday? A little too much? Me too. If you're online with us, we're glad that you are joining us as well. Life is interesting. Sometimes uh, what seems to be a confronting moment, like a confrontation that the Lord gives us, ultimately ends up being a gift. Um, we are confronted uh, in many ways in life um, by the finiteness of life, that we have limited time. One of the ways this shows up is when we are at a funeral because it's just obvious, There's, you can't avoid it if you're there and you are celebrating the life of someone who had come before you and they uh, are now not alive in this life, then that, that confronts us that, wow, I have a limited amount of time and, and, and that, that's true for all of us no matter how old we are. We have a limited amount of time and we don't know when that time is going to be up. Another, another area where this has shown up in my life is raising kids. Like, like it just, there's, there's moments in our lives where we just get a glimpse of how far our kids have come. Like, wow, wh- how did you get to be that old? Like, what, did, what just happened? It just, m- moments just hit you. And, and you're, you're just like, you know, and parenting's hard. Parenting is hard. Like, as soon as you figure out, like, you think you got it figured out, these kids, they start crawling. And then they, then you like get that figured out, and they're not just crawling anymore; they're walking and talking, right? These toddlers, they just say some stuff, and you're like, "Whoa, where's the filter, man? Where's the? You're not supposed to say that." Uh, and then you know, kids grow up and they become teenagers, and they forget all those years that you kept them alive. <laughs> like, do you not even show appreciation, right? And but but it. We're just confronted like time just goes by so quick and we have limited time. So we must invest it wisely. Y'all, this is the oldest you've ever been. And it's the youngest you'll ever be. Again, it's the oldest you've ever been. It's the youngest you'll ever be again. And so like we we have a limited amount of time in this life. And I, I think it's important for us to understand that, to come to terms with it and to make sure that we use our lives the limited amount of time we've got. To invest it wisely. Because so many times we, we go through the days and it ends up in months and it ends, turns into years and we turn around and we're like, what, what have I been doing? Have I been making the most of it? And we struggle with that. Today, the, the title of the sermon is How to Live a Rich Life. How to Live a Rich Life. If, you, if we have a limited amount of time, then we need to make sure that we invest it Wisely, So if you have a Bible, then we're going to jump into the book of First Timothy. If you don't have one, um, then we can get you one, but also it'll be on the screen. So First Timothy chapter 6, Paul is speaking to a young pastor named Timothy who is uh, pastoring the church in Ephesus. And he's giving, them, uh, giving him a lot of uh, pointers and advice and, and, and godly wisdom for how to be in the position, in the office of pastor, and, and how to, to lead the people. And this is right at the end of his first, his first letter to Timothy. And he's giving him some parting words, some things. Here's, here's what you make sure that you do this. And, and he has some 
wisdom, not just for me as a, as a church leader, but for all of us who follow Jesus. And if you don't follow Jesus yet, then you get to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, but um, then just, just lean in even so. This is what God has for us. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. This is what Paul says to Timothy. Instruct those, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Instruct those, Timothy, who are rich in the present age, not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. So even if uh, you don't think that this applies to you, let me just burst your bubble a little bit. And if you've been around here for a, a little while, you've probably heard me talk about this, that, that if you live in America, which, hey, welcome, unless you're visiting, welcome. Um, if you make a, a moderate, like average household income in Wells County, for example, you are wealthier than 90% of the rest of the world. So even when you don't feel rich in your neighborhood, even when you don't feel rich in your workplace, even when you don't feel rich, you are rich if you're in this country. You have a lot. And so here's the thing. Here's just a a good Bible hermeneutic, which means a good interpretation tool. Uh, When you see Scripture speaking to rich people, you can make sure, you can bet your bottom dollar that God's talking to you as well. And so he says, instruct those who are rich in the present age, in this world, to do what? He says it very plainly. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. Wealth, um, even when you don't feel like you got enough money, sometimes the money you do have, instead of you just having it, it has you. In other words, like that's the, the main source of worry and frustration. It's the, the main thing that gets you, uh, you and your spouse, if you're married, that, that you fight about is because uh, maybe it's, it's drawn too, pl- too much of a place of prominence in your life. See, money has um, good places for it to go. Money is good, is well used in certain things to, to provide obviously basic needs, food, shelter, clothing, water, all those things. Like those are really helpful, really helpful to have, and really good places to bring your money. And, and God has given you what you do have to manage for his glory and people's good. And so it's important that you, you operate that way. But sometimes when we put money on the throne of our heart, oh, that's a bad place for money to be. See, you and I were designed to worship God first and foremost and to worship him only. So that means anything that's competing for the throne of our hearts is something that is going to bring about dysfunction in our lives. It's not good for us. Uh, Jesus said it this way, no person can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one, despise the other, or vice versa. And what was he talking about? The two masters. He was speaking about you can't serve the master God and serve money at the same time. And so Paul understands that, that wealth has a tendency 
to draw our hearts to arrogance and pride because it, it postures us in such a way where we begin to believe that we can provide all of our needs, that we've got it all worked out, that we don't need God to really do much in our lives. Like the prayer when Jesus says, hey, uh, pray this way. Uh, ask God for our daily bread. Well, we go to Kroger and Walmart and it's got plenty of bread, right? We've got money in the bank account and so it can lead us to think arrogantly about ourselves or we can start to think because I've got a lot, because I've got more than them and better than them. You see, when we have money on the throne of our heart, it's not a good place for it to be. And so it can lead to pride or arrogance. But what does Timothy or what does Paul tell Timothy to do? Instruct those who are rich to not. He doesn't say like, hey, get rid of all your money. Feel bad that you have money. Is that the one? That's not what he says. But he does say you need to guard your heart because that has a tendency to draw you to places of darkness to where you serve the enemy's ends and not the Lord's. So instead of putting your hope in the uncertainty of wealth, y'all, we can spend so much time acquiring money, dollar bills, y'all, and guess what happens? This thing called inflation. It means it doesn't go as far, right? It's like, <laughs> what happened? I had the same amount, and now it's just not, not used. It's uncertain. And so when we put our hope there, it's a bad place. So what does he say? He says to put your hope in God. And y'all, um, put your hope in God. Thanks, Brandon. That was really insightful. Wow, never thought about that. But when you implement that into your life, that's the struggle, isn't it? it it's so simple to say, put your hope in God. But to actually do that, that's the struggle of the Christian life, right? It's to get rid of everything else that competes with the throne of our hearts and to simply conform our hearts to the one we serve, to Christ. I think about it like this. We, we have, um, he says, put your hope in God. Here at FCC, we've talked about it already today. Um, our vision is to build thriving homes and thriving spheres. And what we believe about that is that you can't build a thriving home or a thriving sphere unless you have a thriving relationship with God and even with yourself. Um, so we look at this like a picture of concentric circles. And, uh, take a look at the screen. Uh, so at the center of uh, the spheres of our lives, this is our, our life in concentric circles. Um, when, when we are focused on our relationship with God and, and, and really digging into the, the hopes and the desires and the pain and the, and the past and the trauma that we've dealt with and we work through these things and we, uh, we, we serve God and we're obedient to God, this is the place where we have the most influence. Um, it's where we are leading ourselves to be obedient to God, to honor Him. And that begins to leak. That's where our heart is. That begins to leak into other areas. So then outside of that, we have our household. So no matter what your household looks like, whether you've got uh, kids or parents or, or grandparents or, or nieces, nephews, whatever in your household, whether you're, whether you're married or not, um, your household, it, God wants you to thrive there. God wants you to honor Him there. And then going out even further is your spheres of influence. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, the people you come into contact at the community, at the ballparks, uh, at the courts, all of these things, all of these places that you just have contact with. Facebook even, social media, the people you um, come into contact with in every area of our life that doesn't uh, involve just your household outside of that or your spheres of influence. 
But here's what is true, and we always need to remember this, is that what is in your heart leaks out. So think about this. If, if what is on the throne of your heart isn't something good, then that will leak out into other areas of your life. Think about it like this. When, when your relationship with you and God, if you're not uh, obeying God, if you're not honoring God, if you're not serving God, if, you're, if the, the mode um, and medium in which your life is lived is not under the, the, under the authority of the God who created you, who designed you, who, who knows you, then, then you're going to be easily swayed to, to serve other things. For example, the example that Paul gives to Timothy. If, if, your, if what is on the throne of your heart is money then that will change the way you see yourself. In, in other words, like, if, if your thing is money, i got to have more of it, and I don't have enough of it, and no matter how much you've got, it's always needing more, then what that ends up being, and what that ends up creating, is that in your life, the way you look at yourself is dependent upon your net worth. Your net worth is attached to your self-worth, and let me just say, that's a bad place to be. That is not a good way to live. And so how does that play out? Like if you're married in your household, if, if even if you don't have a lot of money in your purview, like in your view, um, but, you, but that's on the throne of your heart when you don't have enough, that's a place of worry and, and conflict and frustration in your household. And that spreads, and then your kids start to learn how to look at money, and that money's a burden, that money is uh, that is just, it's just ugh, like, I don't even want to talk about it, so they don't talk about it, and that leads into their household, and, and they, don't, they don't thrive in it because they'll never communicate about it in a healthy way. And then you come to your spheres of influence, and maybe you are a boss at work, and you start to look at the people who work for you as just some, simply cogs in the wheel of your own, uh, uh, your own operation. You start to look at people, not as people, but as resources to, to make a little bit more, to simply be plug and play. Like as long as you do what you're supposed to do and make the bottom line better, then we're going to be good. You just start to not look at people as people. You start to look at people as tools. And even though you might think that some of them are tools, <laughs> they're people made in the image of God. And just so you know, they might think that about you too. <laughs> I didn't plan on saying that, but that there that was free. <laughs> Think about this. Maybe it's not maybe it's not money for you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's worry. Um, maybe you, you're just consumed with worry. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's about your your own personal life. Maybe you you look back to the past and you're like, yeah, I, I should have invested my time more wisely because I've got all this in the rearview mirror and I don't feel like I did. And, and you're worrying about the future and you're worried about things that are maybe outside of your control and 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 you're just overwhelmed by everything in life. As long as you know, as long as everything goes according to plan, we're fine. But as soon as some variable is inserted in that we don't recognize, it, it goes bonkers. And, and we don't know what to do with that. Uh, that. That may be your thing. That worry is on the throne. Like fear is on the throne of your heart, whether you'd like to admit it or not. And what does that do for your household? If you're always worried, if you're always stressed, then what does that do? That, that seeps out. What is inside of your heart leaks, no matter if it's good or bad. And so your household begins to be a place, not of peace. Not of rest, but of worry and conflict and frustration. 
And then think about it when you're with like other people, spheres of influence at work or um, uh, with your friends or your extended family members. Like you, you show up to the, to the scene and they're having a great time. They're looking forward to talking to you. And by the time you're done talking to them, they're like, I can't get away from them fast enough because all you did was spray all of your anxiety and worry onto them. And now the next time they see you walking up, they're like, hey, I'm going to leave. Some of us, we, we've been walking around like that. And a lot of times, this, is, this should be good perspective, I think, for life. Um, the middle area is where we have the most influence, the, the most control. is you and your relationship with God and how you see yourself, the, the truth you speak against the lies you believe, the, the narrative of the gospel versus the narrative that you have started to believe because of maybe how you grew up, maybe of, because of what you've seen, what you've experienced. Um, that is within the greatest amount of our influence and control. That we can, we can decide, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to be obedient to Him, and yes, you're going to mess up, but you can start to lead yourself. And by the way, this is also free. If you can't lead yourself, this is the first place of leadership. If you can't lead yourself, you have no business leading anyone else. And that's the hardest person to lead, is the person you see in the mirror. But that's where, that's where it all meets. And so as that goes on, you got your household, your spheres of influence. But think about this. Outside of your spheres of influence is where many of us who worry, that's where the sources of our worry are from. It's not in our household. Sometimes, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's in our spheres of influence. But oftentimes where we are consumed with worry, it's outside of these areas of influence. And maybe that's a perspective for life. Maybe we need to control what we can control. And that's exactly what Paul is saying in this passage. So think about this this way. It could be a positive way too. If your hope is in God and you are, you are uh, serving him, you are following him, you are surrendered to him, which is a posture that all followers of Jesus should have. Like there's, there's no room for pride when you're serving an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. There's just no room for pride. It's a humbling experience. He knows everything about you. He has the power to give you life or take it away. He, he knows everything. He's always there. There's no room for pride before the throne of God. But if you are serving him, you have your hope in him. Then y'all, can you imagine how much of a change that makes? For some of us, we need to be reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus because we've been walking around as if we have no hope. And you know what the world needs right now? They need more hope. Hope that is solid, that means something, that is grounded in reality. And when we have that in our hearts for ourselves, and we start to see, okay, I'm not, my identity is not founded in what they said about me, what they did to me, what they didn't do, if they didn't love me, if they didn't care for me. My my identity is not uh, based on what they said or they did or didn't do or didn't say. My identity is founded on the fact that in Jesus, I am a beloved son or daughter of the most high king. And so if that is where your heart is, then that leaks out in your household. I have to admit, like it's hard, right? The, the closer you are to a person, the harder it is to, to be loving to them sometimes. Okay? But what's in your heart leaks out. So then your household, if you want to have a more hopeful household, have a more hopeful heart yourself. Because then that will leak out to the others. When you're raising kids, you can, you can walk with them through the difficulties of life 
and remind them that the Lord is right there with them even when they go through the valley of the shadow of death. That you can be there with them, speak truth to them even when uh, they're not necessarily listening, but you can at least be there and be a source of hope for them. And then your spheres of influence, like imagine being the person who spreads hope wherever you go. That's why it's so important that we remember that the church is not a building. The church is you, the people. So wherever you go, wherever you are, that's where the church is because that's where you are. Y'all, in a, in a weary world, a weary world needs a hope-filled church. And y'all, we have the hope. The Lord's given it to us. The question is, are we paying attention? Are we seeing it? Are we diligently putting our hope in God? Because it is a battle. There will always be things, and people even, who will try and drive us away from the hope that we have in God. And so if what's in your heart is your hope in God, then that starts to spread outside as you go. Your household, your spheres of influence, even on social media, you can spread hope. Wherever you go, even if it's a stranger, you can spread hope. And that's what he is telling us to do. Like, hey, uh, this is what you need to do. And this is what he says in, in verse 18 and 19. Instruct them to do what is good. If, if, this is the practical. Instruct them to do what is good. Do what is good. To be rich in good works. To be generous and willing to share. Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Okay, we've got a lot of things to be worried about in this life. We've got a lot of things. But, but at the end of the day, this is what Paul tells Timothy to tell the people in Ephesus is to do good. Be rich in helping others. And to be generous. To do good. Like, yes, you have resources. Yes, you have options. You have uh, things that you could do. What do you do with the things that you have? Do good with them. Do good with the, with the gifts that you have. Do good with the time that you have. Do good with the resources that you have. Do good. Be rich in serving others. Don't, don't so much look at your net worth as, as an accumulation of your financial uh, worth, your financial wealth. Look at it as an accumulation of, okay, I'm rich in helping others. What if that was a high value that we had in our lives of helping others, of serving them? That would change. That would change the spheres of influence that we have. If we sought as followers of Jesus to serve others as Jesus has served us. On the night of the betrayal, as they are having dinner, Jesus gathers the disciples and he washes their feet. And then at the end, he said, go and do likewise. We're called to serve, friends. And, and if we do have means, which all, we all do to some degree, be generous. Be willing to share. Too often we were closed, closed off. And we need to have open hands because it is in the open-handedness of our posture of our heart that God still teaches us something about what it's like to follow him because he was generous. He didn't even spare his own son for you. So do good, be rich in helping others, be extravagantly generous. One of my favorite shows um, is called The Office. Any Office fans in the house? Okay, a few of you. I've got some Shroot Farms um, socks on right now. Um, yeah, amen. 
Um, in one of the scenes, the, the manager, Michael Scott, asks his uh, co-worker, his subordinate, um, Dwight Schrute, he asks him a question, what, what's the most inspiring thing I've ever said to you? And without a beat, without a blink of an eye, Dwight says, don't be an idiot. Changed my life. And he, he expounds upon that and he says, uh, whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. You see how this is? Here, here's, here's one of the points of the sermon. Don't be an idiot. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But here's where this connects. If I, want to be a, if I want to be someone who does good, would someone who does good do that thing? If they would, do that thing. If, if someone, if, if I'm going to do this, would a, would a person who is rich in helping others, would they do that thing? If they would, do that thing. If they wouldn't, don't do that thing. Would a generous person do that? If they would, do that. If they wouldn't, don't do that thing. Anytime I'm about to do something, I ask myself, I think, would an idiot do that? If they would, I don't do that thing. Y'all, that can just change someone's life here today. Amen. Praise God. But it's, it's a good principle. If the person I want to be, would the person I want to be, would the person God's calling me, would they do that thing? Would they make this decision? Would they say that in that way? Would they do this? If they would do that. See, the Lord wants to do something in us. And and what he wants to do most of all is to bring us to be people who are made and conform to his image. We are made in his image. We don't always conform to his image. So he says simply, do good, be rich in helping others, be extravagantly generous. See, what we're talking about here is do good. That's, that's the essence of love. It's to do good to others, right? That's what Jesus said. So that's love. To be rich in helping others, that's simply serving. To be extravagantly generous, that's giving. Love, serve, give. It's really simple on what God calls us to do. But those moments, those are moments in our lives that the accumulation of a rich life is made by thriving moments. Or I can say it this way. A rich life is built by the bricks of thriving moments. A rich life is built by the bricks of thriving moments. Moments where you decide, I'm going to serve God in this moment. Moments where you decide, I'm going to deny myself in this moment. Moments where you decide, I'm going to give this right now. I'm going to be willing to share right now. Moments you decide, I'm going to help them in the name of Jesus. And never forget, and don't, don't get it twisted. Um, what I'm not saying is you need to do good, be rich in helping others, and be extravagantly generous in order to receive salvation uh, in, in Jesus. That is not at all what I'm saying. He is writing this to people who have already surrendered to Jesus because what he knows and is what we should know is that there is nothing you can do to earn it. You will never deserve it no matter how good you do. There are no good people. Ain't going to be no good people in heaven. Only forgiven people. And it's all just a gift from him to you. You don't deserve it. You couldn't earn it. 
But he gave it willingly because he loves you and me. That's why Jesus came. But he is saying, if you are a son or a daughter of mine, if you are in my family, then this is what we do in this family. We do good, we're rich in helping others, and we are extravagantly generous. And this is what he said in verse 19. It's important for us to, to, to revisit. He says, instruct them to do what is good, verse 18, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. And what are they doing? They're storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. In other words, it's a good investment account. That's not why you do it, but it's a good investment account when you see that your, your obedience and faithfulness to God in our day and time right now, where you take those moments and you thrive in that moment. Because let's just face it, we don't know what we've got. We don't know if tomorrow's coming. For each one of us, we don't know. Jesus is coming back right now. And we'd be with him. So we don't know how many moments we've got, but in every moment of our lives, we get to decide. Will I honor God or not? And when we do, he's saying that there's some kind of treasure being stored up for that coming age, for that coming day. And in so doing, by living this way, we take hold of what is truly life. If you've been living life and you're thinking, you know what, there's, there's got to be more to it. There, there's got to be something different about it. This Christian life, it just doesn't seem to be cracked, all cracked up to what they, they're talking about. H- have you decided to put your hope in God? H- have you decided to do good? To be rich in helping others? To not be so consumed about yourself? Have you decided to be generous? Or are you just living the same way you did before Jesus? You just sprinkle a little Jesus into your week on Sundays. He's calling us to put our hope in him, to surrender everything. So we have some really practical ways that we can do this, to thrive in our moments because God wants us to thrive in every area of life. Some simple ones are what we call core steps here at FCC. Um, they're, they're simple, but done consistently, they, they make a big difference because God uses these steps to meet us where we are and take us where he wants us to be. The first one is to read the Bible. And that is really the foundation of putting our hope in God. If you're not in the word, you don't know who he is, you don't know what he says about you, he doesn't know what he, you don't know what he's trying to do and has been doing over the course of history, you're not in the word, then, then it's going to be a real struggle to put your hope in God. So read the Bible. And we have some resources to help you out with that. If you don't have a Bible, talk to us. We'd order one for you. Make sure you get one. Um, the second thing is to join a community group. We, we believe we're better together here. Uh, we believe that we were designed for community, and it gives us an opportunity to do good to others, to love people. And we get to practice within the safe uh, spheres of the church so that when we go out into a world that may not be so uh, nice to us, we can love people anyway. So join a community group. The third thing is to serve on a ministry team. Uh, if, if you merely come to church on a Sunday, you come in, you, you, we sing, we stand, we sit down, uh, up downs, and, and, and we, we take communion and we listen to me preach. And for some of you, you know, preach too long, whatever. Um, and, and then we go and about our day and, and you don't serve anyone in the, in the process, then I encourage you, like, you can make that a change. Be rich in helping others. One of the ways you can do that is is on a Sunday morning. There's plenty of other ways you can be rich in helping others and serving other people. It's really a lifestyle and a posture, but we have a way that you can do that and get plugged in. Um, another thing is to practice generosity, to practice it. And by the way, even if you don't give to FCC, give somewhere. 
Like, we're in this for what God does for you in this, and God does in you, than something what we as a church get from it. Practice generosity. Give it a shot, even if you have never done it. It might be a stretch. It's meant to be. And then the last thing is to help others take core steps. Help people read the Bible. Help people join a community group. Help people serve. Help people practice generosity. And in so doing, you are being obedient to what Jesus told us to do, and that is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And he, he makes sure you know that he will be with you always to the end of the age. That, that, those are some ways, but we wanted to get even more practical. And so that's where the Thrive Deck comes in. And, and this is just a way for us to implement thriving moments into our everyday lives. So I just want to give you some examples of what might be in here, what is in here, that you might grab if you grab one of these and, and decide to do it. So one, this is random, this is for your sphere. Here, here's, here's the challenge for it. Go out to eat with a friend, a coworker, or a group of people. Ask the server how you can pray for them before you pray over your meal. That's a really powerful way to connect with someone on a deeper level. Option, not ready to ask the server? Well, ask your friend, your coworker, or the group you're with how you can pray for them. And the bonus challenge is to do both. So that's one for your sphere. Let's see what I can find for another. So for our home, okay, here's another one for the home. Um, Here's the challenge. Observe the Sabbath this week. Plan it out. How will you rest and enjoy the day while setting it apart for the Lord? Here's an option. If you already observed the Sabbath, make this week's Sabbath a special one. Only you can decide what that means, though. Bonus, invite another family over for a Sabbath dinner to kick off the Sabbath. Start your Sabbath in the evening that week. Let me see if I can find one more. Let's see here. Let's see here. I got um, Got it. Me and God, here, here's, here's a challenge, a very simple one. Spend five minutes in prayer and filling in the blank of this statement. God, I need your grace because blank. And I think Taylor talked about that earlier. God, I need your grace because I'm really struggling right now. God, I need your grace because that coworker is pushing my buttons. God, I need your grace because I'm pushing my buttons. The option, not sure what to say, spend a couple minutes in silence, slow your breathing. And ask God to search your heart. The bonus would be grab a pen and paper. Write out your prayer. So we just want to give you really practical ways to thrive in the moments of your life because a rich life is built by the bricks of thriving moments. A rich life is built by the bricks of thriving moments. And when we decide to thrive in the moments of our lives, we'll live a rich life. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Paul says this, Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Pay careful attention to how you live and how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. He's saying, hey, be intentional with what you do in your life. The days are evil and they're passing away quick. We know that the days are long, but the years are short. It's the oldest you've ever been. and The youngest you'll ever be. So we get to decide. We've got an investment. We've got a limited amount of time. We get to decide if we're going to invest it wisely. And I hope and pray that maybe this was a loving confrontation with that moment of, oh yeah, I can't just be going through this life just on autopilot. I've only got a limited amount of time. The people around me, 
I've only got a limited amount of time with them. We're all interim living. Just for a time. So you can decide if you're going to invest your time wisely. And, and if you haven't up to this point, there's no shame in that. But God is ready to meet you right where you are right now. Um, if you've never surrendered to King Jesus, um, I'd encourage you, let's talk. Because it begins there, right? Put your hope in God and everything else will follow suit. Doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. It won't, promise. Um, but even though you go through difficulties, you'll have someone coming alongside of you, the creator of the universe. Um, and that is a promise for you and everyone you know. No matter what you've done, you can come to him. And for others of us, maybe there's a core step you need to take. Maybe you've not joined a community group. Maybe you've not started reading the Bible. You don't have a plan. We can help you with that. Maybe you've not served on a ministry team. Maybe you've not practiced generosity. Maybe you haven't started to help others take core steps. But you have some people in mind that the Lord is calling you to invest in. Um, or maybe for you, it's I'm gonna we're going to grab the, one of those Thrive Decks and we're going to make a commitment. Just once a week, we're going to do one of these challenges. And we're just going to be... Uh, ready for how the Lord works in it. Um, I don't know what it is for you, but I believe the Lord will give you direction. So we got a limited amount of time, y'all. Invest it wisely. A rich life is built by the bricks of thriving moments. Would you stand? We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you for the day that we have today because we know that it's not it's not something we can take for granted you've given us another day to live another day to honor you another day to serve you another day to enjoy the things you've given god your word says that you are the one who richly provides everything for us to enjoy help us to enjoy the people around us help us to enjoy uh, the blessings you've given to us and help us to make sure that they're all in proper perspective they're all in proper positioning. That you are on the throne, Lord. We know that we cannot enjoy anything in this world if it's on the throne of our lives. You are the only one who deserves to be on the throne of our hearts, of our lives, of our thoughts, of every part of us. Would you help us to surrender to you once again? Give us direction give us discernment to, to see what you're saying and give us a conviction by your Holy Spirit to obey everything you've commanded of us. And help us to never forget that you are always going to be with us to the very end of the age. Lord, hear us as we sing. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.